Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the CycleCast, and thank you for streaming, downloading, or tuning in at CycleFeed.xyz. My name is Aloudin Hightower, and I'm here with my co-host, Ronnie Toth. We've got someone with us that I'm personally very excited to have on. Um, I can honestly say that very few people inspire me, and inspire means breathe life into. Um, this gentleman that we have on, he he walks the walk and he rides the talk. You know, he's able to live out what he preaches. Um, he's won nearly every race um, of the Criterium distance. He's been a national champion. He's crushed it. Hasn't been a national champion. We're work, <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My hater, he, he's humble too, <laughs> Blow, blowing his cover as to who he is. But uh, th- this gentleman has has won it all. He's won uh, a bunch of pro races this year, and he races uh, for the Surf City Masters team. I'd like cool. to introduce Sharon Smith. All right, clap hands. Woo! Sharon, Sharon. <laughs> it's a good name. It, that's yeah. what I say. Yeah, I like it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> he concurs. Sharon, where are you from, man? Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up there, South Central, actually. Nice. Now it's called, what, South L.A.? Cause they it... changed it to make it sound like yeah. a, a better neighborhood, but That's... it's still, you know, kind of the mean streets of L.A. Okay. Until um, I was 16, then I relocated to Lone Beach. Mm-hmm. My mom ma- got married, and we moved to Lone Beach, and so I've been there to now. All right, all right. So, all right, so South L.A. or South Central to South L.A. to Long Beach. That's yes. what it is. Okay, yes. cool, cool, cool. That's cool. I uh, I know nothing about South L.A. I mean, I'm not originally from L.A. My dad okay. was born and raised from L.A. He went to Dorsey High School. Do you know where Dorsey High School oh, is? Oh, yeah, that's a little bit more north of where I'm from. Okay. But we're, like, still in that little same pocket. Okay, okay What high cool. school did you go to, Sean? Um... I went to a couple of different high schools. <laughs> He's causing trouble. trouble. I, I wasn't in trouble. My mom was trying to keep me away from trouble. So I get closer on the mic. Stay I started mic. out at um, Washington Preparatorial High School. Okay. And then through after some shootings and stuff, my mom nice. was like, okay, it's time to let me get my son out of here. So then from there, I went to Luzinger. There were shootings at the school or like just in the neighborhood? Oh, no, at the school. Somebody Damn. got shot. It was rough, man. I told you it was the hood. Damn, so, okay. you know, I, I made it out, uh-huh. and um, I went to Luzinger, which is in Lawndale, California. Okay. And then from there, my mom got married, and then I moved to Long Beach. So wow. I could tell you had a good mother, you know. You can always tell the guys that were brought up with the moms yeah, looking out for Yeah, you know, I, I got a couple of whoopings when I was little. So That's good. And who keep didn't? you in line. Who didn't? I bet she's still spanky today if you oh, slipped uh, up. <laughs> uh, I hope not. How old were you? When's the last time she beat you, Sharon? I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I can't recall. My mother never beat me. She okay. disciplined me. Just okay. over the so, phone. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Time out. Can we, Ronnie, can you help Sharon put this uh, yeah, pop guard like, like, a, lot, a lot closer? If you bend it. Um, where do I bend it from the bottom? Yeah. Because <laughs> you see how close your guys are? Yeah. Here, let me see. A little better? Is that better? <laughs> When's the last time your mom beat you? I think my mom stopped beating me at 16. I think that that's the last slap I remember. We're on it. And then you can just bring it closer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That sounds. That, does that sound better? Yeah. How about let's okay. pick up by saying maybe like, uh, what's the best advice your mom gave you growing up or something? Is that a good? Yeah. So, Sharon, tell us what's the the most memorable or best advice your mom gave you growing up as a kid? Um, the thing that stands out the most is surrounding myself with the right people. Yeah, because I think your environment and those who you surround yourself 
around, they have a um, tremendous effect on you mm -hmm. as a kid, and you typically carry that on to a teenage and then over into adulthood. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. surrounding myself with the right people, I think, was very, very huge and instrumental. That's cool. Just Let me become who you surround yourself with. Birds of a feather do flock together, for sure. Yes, I would agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Sharon, um, you just, I just saw a video that was released on Facebook, a very inspirational video of you smashing through the streets, and it, it was nice, it really was. I didn't know, I knew, Ronnie was like, yo, we need to get Sharon on, he's doing a lot of things, and I... I didn't know anything about you. He talked about you a lot, but like, just, yes, I, yes. I'm still learning a lot, you know, about just cyclers <laughs> here in the area, you know, yes. thanks to Ronnie. And then literally just like a few days later, I see your video just by happenstance, you know? And yes. I was like, perfect, I'm going to watch this shit, yeah. you know? And then I watched For it, sure. and then I was like, oh, this is great, you know? Because these inspirational videos are like so important, you know? Yeah, yeah, And so what what inspired you to even to even come up with something like that, to even do that? Well, it was a. Uh, it's actually been like the video came out recently, right? Right. That was basically the promo reel to my audio book that I released. But prior to that, for some reason, I don't know. I I have something inside of me that pushes me, and makes me want to um, post and share motivational and inspirational things on right. Facebook and social media. So. Um, I guess through the years, I started getting traction from it. People telling me, thanks for the words. I needed to hear that and so forth. And then I was like, maybe I, I need to do something. I, I wasn't even sure what it was. Mm -hmm. When I met with my producer, um, I told him I want to do like a, a video. And then he was like, well, maybe we should do like an audio book. And so he said, I said, okay, well, we could do that. You know, I'm, I'm like an optimist. I believe we can do anything mm -hmm. we put our mind to. So. Right. Um, I basically came up with the chapters. It was like we brainstormed. I said, here go like 15 chapters. Then we selected like 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. And um, we went into the studio and banged it out. So, nice. Um, and you read it yourself? You did the reading? Yeah, That's I did nice. everything. So, That's I mean, great. I was in a sound studio. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I read the topics. And then I had my notes, of course. And I speak, spoke on each topic. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. the video was... Um, Put together by this great producer named Justin, Justin Cosman, I'm sorry. And um, that's what I released. What's the audiobook called? Um, you Are a Champion. You Are a Champion. Is it available anywhere right now? It's available on cdbaby.com. cdbaby.com. Yes. I've never heard of we'll CD. We'll post the link on the website. You'll, we'll definitely find the link and we'll post it. Yes. I feel like we will have failed at, at this podcast venture if we don't ask you to at least say the video time uh, intro. <laughs> Can we get a little what up, what up? Oh, you know what? Every time I'm somewhere, I'm out. Because I do these videos on my bike. Uh -huh. And so for some reason, I started out with this little slogan. And now people are like, you got to stick with the so slogan. So the slogan is basically, what up, what up, what up? You know what time it is. Video time. And then I just go spell, uh, speaking on whatever that topic is for that day. One-handed, <laughs> mind you. Usually in wind. Really? Yeah. So like, yeah. 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 He times the wind just right so he gets it at you yes. got your back or your front? Give us some tips. Um, I can't give up the secret. You know, this is confidential. Because uh, you can tell it. you're doing it right when people, they say imitation is the finest form of flattery. And so, I mean, uh, tons of people, myself included, have made uh, yes, yes. a little bit of poking I, fun I, at Sharon. Yes videos but it's because we are inspired and we like what he's doing and i'm sure you've gotten some of the letters like people saying they were depressed or suicidal and something you said gave them hope 
Yes, it's weird. Sometimes I post something and somebody's like, were you in my room last night? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? I don't know where, like, it just comes. Like, I'll be in the shower mm-hmm. or I'll wake up in the early in the morning and something will come to me and I'll just post it and mm-hmm. it ends up helping someone. So oh, I'm, course, I, yeah. I just continue to do it, you know. If, if I can help one person, I mean, like, that's huge. If you yeah. can save a life and that person can help someone and just keep the love flowing so right right. no that's good that's good especially if you do have inspirational words um how did you come up with the concept that you had the that that the video concept of you just wanting to just spread the stoke that's what i call it (laughs) yeah spread the spread the stoke is that what you called it yeah Yeah. well because you know what i think the world is filled with a lot of negativity yes, it is. and hurt people yes so i try to be that light or that positive energy constantly no matter what's going on in my life i want to share positively positivity and love so um so basically that's my motivation behind it you know I'm, I'm, i want people to be happy i want people to know that they can make it you can overcome you can do whatever you choose to do in life you, you know you create the vision you do the work, you lay out your plan, and you just hammer it out. No matter what obstacles sorry, come your way, you just got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and driving and keep knocking down walls because yeah. the walls are going to keep coming, right? For sure. If you look back from your childhood to adulthood, your teenage years, no matter what, you have some things that come your way and get you down but you can't you gotta quickly bounce back up Mm -hmm. i mean the quicker you can bounce back up the quicker you can tackle the next task so the more you stay down the longer it's going to take to get to this next point that you need to be at in life right right i i had this funny conversation with somebody recently kind of like uh kind of about that almost in a way um you know have you ever have you ever gone through something in your life that was just so stressful and just so dramatic you're just like how am i going to get through this yeah like a breakup like a girl just dump you out the blue you're like man what yeah. i was doing i was doing good man she just went up i was and trying i yeah. just bought her some stuff i, I wonder yeah. i wonder what that feels like oh it feels horrible we all been um dumped i'm pretty sure you know you don't want to eat you can't yeah. sleep right right you don't right. want to do anything right. you want to so, cry yourself to sleep you want to yeah. take showers with all your clothes on <laughs> cold well, showers yeah cold showers. yeah oh, okay but you know people you go through these things and then time goes by and then you look back and you go man i was really killing myself over that how did i get over that yeah you got over it though yeah you understand what i'm saying yes. and, you, and you're perfectly fine at this point but at that time you were just killing yourself and so one thing i really try to tell people is that um you're gonna get through it if you don't get through it you're gonna die you're not that's the i mean worst case scenario you know but if anything you just got to stay positive and know like this time is gonna pass you know this one's gonna pass but you have to just kind of keep your eye on the light you know for sure Mm -hmm. sure. i totally agree Mm -hmm. so what do you tell yourself man um because the more positivity you're putting out in the world, I think you can come under attack. Like whether it's from people or just your own personal demons. If yes. you're putting out goodness in the world, um, the entities of evil that are out there are gonna hunt you down. And it's almost like attack counterattack, just as you have in a race. Is like I'm not sure if you've noticed in your personal life, but for me, I'll have a very high high. And immediately after, there will be an attack of some negativity that comes. And so I've learned to moderate my highs a bit so that I'm um, able to anticipate and respond to the negative, you know, bogus BS that comes down the road. What's been your experience with that? Well, I I noticed, like, it's almost like the the more positive energy you put out and the more consistently you put out, out, people 
think it's fake. They're like, no, nah, it's yeah, not real. Sure. Or some people think if you're con- like, that. I only promote happiness in my in my social life on Facebook or Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. I don't post any sad moments, any down moments. What's the point of it? Nobody. Every, we all have problems, right? Mm-hmm. We all know we have problems. So why am I going to promote, okay, I had a rough day today. Work sucked. Mm-hmm. There's probably a ton of people who had a rough day at work today. Yeah. Why don't you be that light that promote positivity and uplift that person who had a horrible day at work? Mm-hmm. So that's just my mindset. I have problems. I have bills. Yeah. I have um, issues I deal with. Like if I'm promoting positivity and someone attacks me, mm-hmm. that hurts me because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, why are they coming at me like that? I've been doing nothing, sharing, but nothing but goodness. Mm-hmm. But some people... I think they want to kind of tear you down somewhat. Sure. Like, man, he can't be this happy or she can't be this happy. Right, right. They, I need to bring them down a little bit. Right. But when that happens, typically I, I look back at life, right? Life life has highs and lows. So I just accept it. I'm like, it's part of the journey. Right. It's part of life. You're going to get attacked no matter how much good you do mm-hmm. and how much happiness you share. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept it and understand that it's a part of it. And, right. and the minute you accept it, it makes it makes it easier. Yeah. Because if you don't accept it or you can't deal with it, you can't process it, it's gonna it's gonna affect you in a bad way. So right, right, immediately, right. like I'll use my racing as an as an example, right? I've lost many a races. Uh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah, he's, right. he's also I'll, won many races. I also won many races. And we're gonna right? get into your winning races soon. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that's later. But yeah, anyway, yeah. but through losing. Um, you can't stay down after a loss, right? In cycling, right. there's always a like in life and in cycling. I like to use cycling um, as a as a part of life, so to speak. They, they go hand in hand because you have highs and you have lows. Um, you have moments where where things you can't get out your own way. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, you always got to flip the switch. Like it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. Even after a loss, you got to smile and be like, you know what? It's over. You can't do nothing about it. It's, right. it's yeah. past. What's the point of dwelling on it? You You're know, healthy. yeah, you still healthy. Pull mm-hmm. some of the positives out that right. happened at that in that race. Right. Just like you pull some of the positives out in life mm-hmm. and move forward. Just right. keep moving forward. Right, right, right. So do you, sometimes it feels like um, people will will criticize you and it's almost like they feel like they're doing a service to you and it's maybe 10, 20% of people they're they're seeing you put out the positive and they want to be, um, this almost instigative, um, keeping you in check and they feel like they're the only one, but there's a lot of those I found people that are um, Hmm. thinking they're doing you a service of kind of tearing you down. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, if you look at a spectrum of people, there's just a certain percentage that are going to respond to that raw positivity. as Like they're going to be your personal critic and there's way too many personal critics. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I agree. I think Facebook and MySpace and all those made everybody become personal critics. Yeah. You just got to do you. Yeah. Even even when I produced my audio book, right? Yeah. My producer sent it to me. He said, "All right, here we go. You can you the first to listen to it." Okay. And I'm like, "Oh man!" Oh. And I told him, I said, "Man, it feels weird listening to myself." He said, right. "Oh, don't worry about it. It's normal." But you know, like I was I was being a critic of myself, and sometimes right. sometimes we're too too critical of ourselves i think and sometimes we need to pull back and look at what we accomplished right. and how far we made it mm-hmm. and then you can under, like man i'm really doing well in life 
I really made it. Look what I came through. Cool, you I'm, know, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm I'm alive. My lights on. I have some clothes on. I have my smile. Right. right. I mean, sometimes we don't look at the little things. You got a cell phone. You know that mean that bills paid. You got a you got a Mac computer. That that bills paid. You know we're in the studio doing this podcast. Not everybody do podcasts every day. So this. You're 100. I mean, you're right. And I think the more we appreciate and look at these small things that we have. Then we we're the Lord. I don't want to bring the Lord into it, but right, you know the, the Lord's like, okay, I'm, they're they're ready to be blessed some more. They're appreciating some of these small things. Let me give them a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it works, man. You be faithful in little things, and you get more handed on your plate. Yes, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's the same. It's like what does it say? The mo- more you have, the more is expected of you, right? Mm-hmm. And I then, yeah. So, I mean, no matter what, we're gonna make it. Yeah. We're going to make it. Yeah. You're multiplying your talents, man. You've been given X, and you have taken X and put it next to another X and multiplied it. Yes. Yeah. I believe in growth. Like, I believe if you you become successful at something, you need to pull pull the next man up or pull the next woman up, you know? And how do you do that? You be that example, and you take risks. You you take the leap of faith. Like, my audio book is a leap of faith, right? That's a big leap of faith. Have I you mean, ever written? Have you even thought about writing anything I, or nothing like, like that? People like, Sean, when are you going to write something? Mm-hmm. I never thought about it and because we're fearful at, at times, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And the hardest part is, like, the starting part. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I was in the studio and I was doing the work, I was like, man, I have an appreciation for people who have created visions and they went through with that vision mm-hmm. because the hardest part is starting. And sometimes we don't know where to start. Right. But then sometimes we get certain people come in our lives at the right time. But like, man, I can use so-and-so for this. They exactly. can help me and, and, and I can, I'm the, the vessel, mm-hmm. but they have the talents that I need. So you have to believe in teamwork. Right. And like I said, surround yourself with the right people mm-hmm. and then be true to yourself and, be honest and pure and everything's going to fall the audiobook like fell in place like wow it, it fell in place that's all i can say that's great it wasn't like it wasn't much struggle i didn't have to force or pull or everything just worked out that's good that's there's really this, good there's this idea that a lot of people they get in the club whether it's on the varsity team or get their cat one racing license and then they slam the door behind them and what you have done is you've got to that level of success, and instead of slamming the door behind you, you've taught people how you've got there. Yeah. And that's just, it's a cut above of humans, somebody that is desiring to have a multiplicative effect of their life, to be able to say, this is how I did it, I want to teach you so you can replicate it yourself. Yes. And it's a very humble person that can do that, to where you see your fellow man not as competition, but as teammates. Yes. And it. You know, the reason why I did that, because I remember when I first started, I sucked. I'm not going to say that I was, because nobody was. in cycling. Yeah. yeah okay. I sucked in cycling when I first started. Nobody walks into anything and, like, is is hitting home runs out the, out the gate. Right. So I never forget where I came from and the struggle mm-hmm. and how hard it was. So I know that the next man who are, who is new to the sport or the next woman is new to the sport, they're having these same struggles. Mm-hmm. And so if you can help help someone, b- besides, anyway, look, you got to look at it as, okay, you've been given certain tools and certain gifts, right? You can't take them with you. Right. And if you want to get, if you want to have more, you got to release some. You can't. I mean, you, you have to release it. So I right. believe in releasing it. Like, I have no secrets. I post my rides. I post where I train. Mm-hmm. Um, I train with 
new racers right now. My biggest train, my um, my main training partners are, are new racers, and they challenge me. They push me, and they're new. They bring excitement. They keep me energized. Cool. You know, they pump me up. I pump them up. We feed off each other. So, I mean, I don't believe in clicks. I love everybody. I like right. in everybody. I don't have time to not like or love anyone because right, right, that's right. negative energy, and it's draining. I right. mean, Clicks do create negative energy. I've noticed a lot of cycling yes. clicks here in Los Angeles. And, oh, and, yes. and it's not just here in LA. It's actually everywhere. Cycling yeah. clicks are the most, they're legit. But it's just, I'm, my thing is we're all on the streets together. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, why do you have to kind of look? It's like it's like um, packs of wolves almost, or packs of coyotes that are kind of, like, meeting each other, like, riding by, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's just kind of staring at each other and just saying, I wonder who they are, and they just yeah. kind of keep moving. And yeah. It's just it's, insecurity. You just got to shut it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, Something interesting, I, I uh, just a little side note, I went on my first road biking ride Mm-hmm. This past weekend, okay, a group ride, a group ride, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. So I've been sick pretty much all last week, right. And just to give a little like background, Sharon, I'm just used to riding fixed gear, just with the fixie kids okay. in the streets, you know. You're not gonna try to steal my shine on this show. No, okay. no, no. Of course not, man. No, this is my show, but you're here okay. today, so. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm no, just no, joking. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. No, but it was crazy because. Uh, I was just, I woke up super early Saturday morning and I just happened to see a huge group of roadies out in the parking lot at Cal State Northridge. And I was like, what's going on? And I was on my buddy's felt. My buddy's letting me borrow his road bike. And so uh, I said, man, let me go see what's going on. And I rode up. And nobody really said anything to me. Everybody just kind of kept quiet, and I kind of was trying to get people's attention, like, hey, excuse me. And people were just like, hey. And they just kind of rode by, and hey, and rode by, kept passing me, till I walked up to somebody. I hate to say it like this, but the only black guy that was there, I said, yo, dude, what's going on here? And he was like, oh, this is the San Fernando Bike Club, this and that, the other. You know, we go riding the Mulholland, you know, Mulholland um, Highway up in the Malibu Hills and stuff. And he was like, you should go. You should come. And I said, I'm down. You know, and I think it's just so important to just like kind of put yourself out there and just not create these clicks or just, you know, going back to clicks. You know, it seemed kind of clickish to me for a second till I. It is. If if you don't, I don't understand it, but if you don't know the right people, Mm -hmm. um, people just don't open doors for you or let you in unless they see that you know somebody that they know is cool. Right. But like, okay, so-and-so is cool. Right. He can kick it or she can kick it. Right, right, right. But it's just the culture. I don't know why it is. I mean, I didn't grow up in cycling, so I can't tell you where he he began at. Ronnie could tell us. Yeah, Ronnie might know, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to me because it's hard to be arrogant when you're wearing stretchy pants. I joke yeah. about it. it's like we're doing a kids activity like we're riding bicycles and we're wearing tights. Yes, you know, it's, that's what keeps me yeah. humble. Is like end of the day you're really good at going fast on a bicycle. That's cool. You know, it's cool, but it's not world changing cool. But yeah. you have turned it into something world changing. Yeah, that's beautiful. By giving hope to people. When did you start in cycling? I know you kind of got a late start. Yes, I started late. I started at age. Oof. I started at thirty. Shut up! Really? Yes. How old yes. are you? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, oh man! I'm gonna, I was gonna say you're 30 years old. You look 32. You, you look 30. No question. Well, I got low street miles, so like, yeah. So that's why. <laughs> and and yeah, I'm 41 right now. Oh, very yes. nice. Okay, he doesn't look anywhere near 41. 
late 20s, early 30s, for I, sure. I agree, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like fine wine, I'm aging well. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So you... Was that road? You started uh, USAC, like your first Cat 5, or is that just training on the bike? Um, no, I actually went and bought a bike out on a whim. I used to lift weights in the gym. I shared this story before, so some people may have heard it. Okay. Um, but I started in the gym. I used to be a gym rat. I used to lift really? weights. And funny story, there was a girl in a spin class. Always is. Yes, there's always a woman involved. Mm-hmm. So um, she was cute. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a lagging butt man. I'm not going to lie. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I think most cyclists are, but okay. And so <laughs> so she captured my attention, but I, she only did the spin class. Uh-huh. I was like, man, she never comes to the floor. She only does. I said, man, how am I going to meet her? I can't stalk her in a parking lot, right? No, so I said, okay, I'm going to join the class. I joined the class to meet her. But I fell in love with the class. I eventually met her. Actually, went out to a couple of plays, and we we became friends. That's and so um, funny. <laughs> I continued the class because uh-huh. I fell in love with it. Uh-huh. And then one day I said, "I'm gonna go buy me a road, no, a mountain bike. I'm sorry, a mountain bike." Okay. And I was like, "I don't live by the mountains. Why well, am I buy a mountain bike?" I said, "Well, first yeah, because because the road bike is like." Nah, mountain bike more manly, right? Yeah. So, but I didn't live by the mountain. So I went and bought a road bike on a whim. And I started riding. My buddy was like, man, what the heck you doing in these tights, man? We, Because, you know, I used to hang out, go yeah. to the club and whatnot. Now yeah. I'm in tights and yeah. shaved legs. I'm like, like, yo, dog, what yeah. is this? What's going on? Do we need to talk? Did, yeah. Is something going on? So I, I fell into um, racing um, at my job. What's funny, one of my coworkers had a, a um, a cycling poster, oh, nice. and it was a Saturn poster of my buddy named Rasan Bahadi. Oh, but I knew Rasan Bahadi pre-cycling days. His dad and my dad worked together. Oh, very you know nice. Rasan is very well known. He's a national champion. Multi-time, now he's a real national champion. Oh, Multi-time right. national champ. He's a black guy, right? I'm black, so mm-hmm. naturally I connected with the picture. Caught my attention. Uh-huh. But when I saw the picture, I was like, I know this guy. My coworker didn't believe me because Rasan's a pro, you know. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's how I fell into it. Nice, nice. How was it a hard transition between going from the gym and going into cycling? Because, Because, yes. I mean, I'm guessing you were yacked. Right, you were just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't prison swole, but okay. I, you know, I had a little swole on me. Okay, right, right. Yeah. And so, like, you don't really see that on cyclists, you no. know what I mean? And so, what, what was the? You had to cut a lot of weight. Yeah. What was? How was that transition for you? It was a tough transition, honestly, because mm-hmm. muscle is hard to lose. Right. So it took me a few years to lose the muscle. Mm-hmm. I had to, and I was addicted to the gym, mind you. So exactly. I was still right riding my bike and going back to the gym, and I was like, I wasn't getting the results <laughs> that I needed to get because muscle was heavy. Give right. us some numbers. What'd you start out at? Yeah. When I started, I was think I was one eighty seven, one ninety. When you, how tall are you? I'm five eight and three quarters. I need all of it. So. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in your draft, man. Yeah. That's not very friendly. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So like right now, I'm one seventy two, one seventy is my race weight. So I had to lose okay. like seventeen pounds of muscle, pretty much. Wow. You make me feel like a fatty. Wow. Did you get a standing next to me that I weigh more than you? No. Wow. That's crazy. I honestly, I thought we would probably weigh the same. I weigh two oh five. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, time to cut, baby. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Get that muffin yeah. top killer. You with that club last I did. Saturday. You I would've... did, I did. For how long? <laughs> I kept up with them. We had coffee at the end in Calabasas. Fixie, man. I did. Fixie's throw okay. down, yeah, I did. Okay. I kept up. We. I was so surprised. I was so happy. And that's when they started talking to me afterwards because they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, he can keep it. Okay, he's fine. He's so fine. he's got this world championship jersey. I was, I was like, you can't wear that. So yeah, it's got the rainbow yeah, stripes yeah, on it. Yeah, you can't wear that. I'm blowing his cover right now. I haven't worn it since he told me that. I was like, you know okay. what those stripes mean, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, okay, so Ronnie and I had a photo shoot real quick, and uh, we were told to bring our kits, and I got this world uh, champion cycling jersey kit off the internet, but what I really liked about it was it just had the Adidas logos all over it, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I used to wear that thing everywhere. Nobody said anything <laughs> to me at all. I'm not friends. going to pull you aside, like, brah. And then Ronnie <laughs> pulled me aside, and he was like, brah. You're not a champion. Don't wear that shit. And I was like, thank you, Ronnie. <laughs> ever, so, yeah. ever so tactfully. Yeah. I was like, Very oh, true. Peter Sagan, is that you? Is yeah. That you? yeah. No, that's not me. You got a solo uh, three minutes at uh, the end of the world championships during that jersey. That's I was funny. amazed at that. What were your thoughts on that, Sharon? Because you could probably relate. You know, Peter Sagan, he's a sprinter, and he solos for three. I timed it. Three minutes at the end of a hectic race. Um, I don't see you soloing for three minutes, Sharon. I'm going to be honest. Well... Anything's possible. Remember, I'm I'm an optimist, so I'm not gonna say that it's not possible. Any, he had a magical day, but he's a freak, you know. A magical day. He he does it all, so I'm not surprised that he did what he did. He's cunning, he's smart, and he timed it perfectly. And he threw all his all his chips on the table. I mean, I was the move to. You didn't see him the whole. I forgot he was in the race, so he was saving energy, being smart. How long can you hold your maximum sprint? Would you say? It's where you start to lose speed. I don't know. Like 20 it's, seconds? I'm not sure, honestly. Enough to get to the line and get both. Because I'm not a big numbers guy or a data guy, so I don't I don't get into all of that. So just make it happen. I make it happen. I mean, <laughs> my instincts are is that I'm a sprinter and I just go to the line, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't need, I don't know, honestly. I'm not going to. You see that the five laps to go and you get a second win. It's like it's on. Um, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be together. So walk me through that. It's like when you're when you're in a race, you've obviously you've got teammates. Um, and so I know you guys will take turns with who's gonna get a shot at winning a race. Um, and let's shout out to your team too, Surf City Cycling, right? Surf City Cy- Cyclery. Oh, Surf City Cyclery. Yeah. Which is a shop, and they have locations where. In Huntington Beach, currently, we're um, potentially gonna open a shop in Costa Mesa at some point. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. And they've First given time. you guys heck of support. You know, you're always pumping your sponsors. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. scratch their back, they scratch yours. I think a yes. lot of a uh, lot of young kids or people up and coming in the sport, even some professionals could take a page out of your book in uh, representing sponsors well. It's, it's huge because they do a lot of the work um, that make that allow us to ride our bikes and race our bikes. So um, without your sponsors, the team's not going to exist. So you got to support your sponsors. You got to market them. You got to promote them. So, um, we can keep the ball rolling. For sure. You've got this quote, it's teamwork makes the dream work. Yes. I don't know who came up with that quote, but I mean, I I say it often because it's true. I mean, it takes a team to make things work. I mean, no one does it alone. How many cohesive wins did Surf City get this past year? 
I mean, you probably got what ten to fifteen yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, did. that's not to say you did it by yourself. But no, you, you crossed the line first in in that many races. You even won how many pro races did you win? I remember a couple times. Honestly, I'm in there. I I believe I won one this year, the final one of the year. So CBR was it, right? Yes, it was. With 125, 30 guys in the in the race, so that's it's a hectic race when you have over 100 guys, constant attacks. There's a lot going on. You're multitasking several different things at one time, uh-huh. and um, it's a chess match. I, I view crit racing as a chess match. Right. I call chess 180 beats per minute. Yeah. That's yeah. so crazy. That is, I can't imagine being on the field with a hundred guys yeah. and you being that one to cross it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. How much uh, are you watching faces? And that's something I personally do. I, I like giving away, you know, secrets or tips. And like, I'll look at when it's as hard as it gets and we're full gas and the rubber band's about to snap. I'll mm-hmm. be looking around at faces and see how much, you know, top guys, see how Kale's hurt and see yeah. how, you know, Brian McCulloch, some of the KHS or InCycle guys. And if they're hurting, you know, you're... Yes. You're well, one to... thing I, I want to say on that, Ronnie, is that a lot of guys are good at playing poker. So some guys can put on a poker face like, ah, I'm in a box, I'm hurting, but not, they're not necessarily hurting. Like, I don't try to give no emotions. I don't want you to know if I'm hurting, if I'm feeling good or or nothing. Right. I mean, there. I don't have really much secrets. I try to race off instincts. I try to mark like maybe 10 to 15 guys, depending on how many of the top guys are in the race. And I concentrate on them. I, I calculate, of course, how many times that they attack. Okay. Each time you attack, you, you're using a bullet. Mm-hmm. I mean, some guys have more bullets in the chamber than others. Um, over time, we learn each other and learn each other habits and and Let's um, throw out some names. Uh, just give 10, 15 of the strongest guys. You know, you got to – that if they're in the breakaway, that they'll be a threat. Like, you can't let them up the road. Um, I'll say Rudy Nalap. I want to screw up his last name. <laughs> Rudy from um, Velo Pasadena. Phil Tinsman, he's always fresh and, and eager to hurt people. Um, the Williams brothers, they're some fast, fast boys. They're young. I heard about those guys. Yes, they're the Williams brothers. The Williams brothers. They're, 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 um, they have no fear. You know, you got to be on your P's and Q's with those guys. Okay. You know, they race aggressive. Um, Rasan Bahati, um, Ronnie, when he's on. When Ronnie's on. Dude, I, did yeah. not, I did not just make the list, yeah. but keep going. And I, I got to put him on the list. He's sitting right here. He Strong, might be a might be a little sensitive. Um, <laughs> no, Brian McCulloch, maybe. Yeah, Brian McCulloch. I mean, Kel. I mean, I could say my teammate, Pat Boss. Um, maybe David Santos. David Santos. The list is so huge. You got you a lot know, of people to watch. SoCal is like a cycling hotbed because of the weather. And it's almost like I remind it reminds me of like football in Florida. You know, a lot of colleges go to Florida when they're looking for the for the players, football players, because um, what it, what was my saying earlier that um, surround yourself with the right people and you're gonna be successful. Yeah, and it's the same thing in cycling. Like we have created this energy where you know if you're not on top of your game and you're not fit, you're gonna get your neck snapped off. So I mean. Is very very true here in SoCal. Mm-hmm. Ronnie enjoys running people over. 
right on their neck. That's his thing. We oh, have this thing. Well, well, that's not nice. No, we, we have this <laughs> joke. You can really hurt somebody. If someone crashes, it's a joke. If someone crashes, it's a joke. Okay, it's a joke. You're okay. going okay. to aim for the neck. Okay. Because in fixie, you don't have brakes. Yeah. The red hook stuff. Yeah. It's like somebody crash, wipe it out in front of you. You're going to get punished. All right, so uh, one of the topics we wanted to explore is the lack of minorities and women in cycling. What do you think cycling needs to attract more minorities? Because you've got natural talent, but you've also got a heck of a work ethic. Mm. Yes. I'd love to see more guys from the inner city coming out and just crushing it like you're able to do. Give people hope via bicycle. I think it's, it's, it's exposure. You know, in the inner city, we're not exposed. I knew nothing about cycling until I fell into it. Right. And it's been around for years what hundreds of years i don't want to say hundreds of years but oh, yeah. it's top sportless in the united yeah it's, it's been around for for many many years so um it's just exposure we don't know about it in the inner city and it's, it's an expensive sport so um that's another factor so that's what i like about the fixed gear scene is the entry point for a bike so cheap and i think it's a game changer you're going to see more and more um minorities getting into cycling and really crushing it i try and have poor hope in life and just mentor a lot of the young fixie kids because they have such uh such fire like you said you train with the young guns because they're just they're motivated and they're yes. stoked on it yes so, for, for sure. sure i was just gonna say that um it, i was gonna say it was cost you think it might just be a little too expensive you know but the the the, the, the fixie scene has made it so simple and so uh, inexpensive for anybody to just get on and ride, you know, and just switch out parts with other friends and do yeah. all these things to make p- kids want to go faster and and it pretty much expose them to the uh, the brighter end of these things. But one thing I will say, if you have talent and a skill set, it's gonna be it's gonna stand out, you know. So typically, if you have some talent and some work ethic and skill set, some people are going to be willing to help you yeah. mm-hmm. if you have the right attitude to go with all of that as well. You're right. You're right. So I tell kids, just get out there, go on Strava, steal some segments from some rich guys with nice bikes, and be kind about it. You know, Carry yourself with humility. And I mean, that's what it did for me. I'm also you know, a white guy, blonde hair, blue eyed, so I think there can be some racial stuff going on there, but I think that'd be a good tactic <laughs> to pick up like some um, nonchalant sponsorships people that see what you're doing yeah and invest in you, you know? if you saw a kid that went out there and and you probably don't strive as much as some of the endurance guys but if you stole a klm off you or something you'd be like who is this kid you know and check him out maybe yeah. offer kudos and mm-hmm. you make a relationship where there was none just by going out and right. throwing down i agree i want to ask you uh what advice do you have for young african-american males that want to get started in cycling or that are cycling right now that are listening to this because one thing that i could say is that uh i remember when i was younger i really liked skateboarding but i never really told anybody or even my parents because it was considered where i grew up it was really when the white kids did it and so they'd be like oh that's a white thing why would you do that and even i remember saying that to my dad once and he he hit me with that line you know what i mean and yeah. so i could i could see african american kids or just you know black kids just being like man i really like cycling but just like you said earlier your homies looked at you and said dude what are you doing in, in these in these pants what are you doing with this bike you know yes. like what kind of advice do you have for anybody out there and a young black african american kid that or female that kind of wants to get out and do that well, if, I I, agree, I believe that if it's something you really really like and you're really really passionate about it, you have to keep keep driving and keep pushing and and keep trying no matter what is said. I mean, a lot of times we 
we get discouraged because our friends are some people close to us, like our family members, right. and they plant these seeds. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You you can't allow people to plant those seeds if it's something you truly truly like and truly care about. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep after it. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing. That's good. That would be my advice. That's good. Just keep writing. How'd you make the shift from from being someone who wins races to wanting to pour life and inspire other people and being a mentor of sorts? Um, I think it's just who I am. I think I've always been that way from many years ago. But I think it's just more, it's exposed more now because I'm on, a, on I don't want to say a platform. But, 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 well, because, you know, certain words I got to be careful with since I won some races and then people are like, oh, he, now he's saying he's on a platform. Oh, shut so, up, I mean, <laughs> since I get some, some negative feedback from time to time, okay. sometimes I'm on eggshells. You know, I got to be careful with certain words I say, certain uh-huh. things I say, because I don't want to f- deal with the flack, you know, because right. I really try to come from an honest and pure place. Okay. So, um that's pretty much it. I mean, you're you're a humble guy, and you've cultivated excellence, and with excellence comes an audience. Yes. And you're able to leverage that audience for good, and you've done just that. Yes. It's pretty rad. Um, let's talk about talk about mentoring. Um, you've got your audiobook out. Um, it's all about inspiring and teaching cyclists the how-tos of racing and some crossovers to life advice. Um, you created a big buzz with your teaser video, We Are the Champions, on social media. That's a great video. You are a champion. You are a champion. Yes. Excuse me. Um, if there's one one takeaway um, to encourage people to get that, what would you say it would be? To get to what? I'm- to, to purchase um, what you put out there. I think for what you have to offer, it's like what twenty bucks. That's, yeah, uh, it's very nineteen ninety nine. It's just under twenty right bucks, now. you know. And it's not not quite there yet. And you're not the type of the guy who's like just hustling for the sake of money because what's in there is worth way more than yeah. I mean, bucks, once so. you buy the audio book, it's yours. You know, you can go back and listen to it. I've listened to it on a ride, and honestly, it's a really good audio book. I was very pleased and and felt. Like man, this is a, this is worth the price that that is that has been set at, mm-hmm. and um, if it's something you love and something you're passionate about, I don't put I wouldn't put a price on it. Like I had to pay a price to get this product produced and put together out of money out of my pocket, you know. So, right. I mean, initially when I was told how much it was going to cost me, I was like, man, I gotta spend because we don't like to spend money sometimes. No, but anytime you you want to do something, if it's start a new business start a new podcast mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. you have to purchase things and you got to pay the price i mean you may not reap the benefits right off the hop like i said you know what it's not a big deal if i don't make what i spent on this project back it's not i'm, I'm not that's not the purpose of it otherwise i wouldn't spend the money if the money was a big deal you know mm-hmm. it's the purpose of it is to help change lives and help people grow and inspire at the end of the day and i believe if we come from a place and it's pure and you're being honest and it's coming from a good place it's going to grow it's going to take off i mean that's just it it's pretty simple you know you you get what you what you put in Mm -hmm. in, so what i like about you sean is you are a weekend warrior for all intents and purposes and that you work full time i mean you're waking up 
early in the morning, you're riding your bike. I'm a bike commuter. I'm like a fixie, uh, fixie guy almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ride my bike to work. Okay. Um, so how many how many miles per week are you riding uh, into work? Sometimes you take the long way. How does that work? Well, typically I ride from home straight into the office. It's six miles one way, right? Oh, okay. After work, I may ride another 20 miles to 21 miles. It may vary. I, like I'm not logging a whole lot of miles during the week. I just don't have the time. You know, I'm I'm in I'm at work. I need to get home. What kind of work do you do, if you don't mind me asking? I work for an electronic adhesive company, and an I work electronic adhesive company. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we produce glue, which is used in tech device, tech techy things like this computer, uh-huh. your phone. Uh-huh. Our glue is used to bond a lot of things together. Okay. Some of our glue is in pacemaker. So I don't want to get too deep into that. Sometimes you got to be using it. You're using it to hold the Peloton together so we can have yeah. a bunch sprint, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Use the glue for that. Yes. Are you training, uh, doing like specific intervals during the commute, or you're just um, getting there? No, I just ride. I don't do. I necessarily don't do interval work. I mean, wow. I mean, I ride to work. I do some hill work, but I don't have specific like. Okay, I need to go out and do a two three minute effort here and hold it at this many watts. I don't do that. I mean, I just believe in staying consistent with my riding and my group ride. If I do a group ride, that's going to keep some intensity in me. Mm-hmm. And then the racing keeps me fit as well. So oh, That's pretty incredible. She just got some, <coughs> like, natural fast twitch that's fibers. That's what it seems like. So you're, yeah. you're training the endurance system to be able to survive. Yes. And then throw down at the yes. end with that's, what that's what Because I'm taking, not just me. I don't want to say that it's me. I'm, I'm not doing it alone. Yeah. But... It, for me as a sprinter, I have to be able to withstand the body blows, right? Okay. Cause that's the guy. That's the job of the endurance guy, mm-hmm. right? They what want, do you mean by body blows? They want to keep attacking, attacking, attack till I get weaker and weaker, you know. And so I know that going into the game, that the the endurance guy's job is to attack, attack, attack to try to make me weak, weak, weak. But I'm mentally strong, so I'm like, even if I'm hurting, I'm like, okay, you got to push through. Mm-hmm. You got to push through. Like, I believe heavily on the mental side, you know. Okay. What we train our minds to do is going to translate or transfer into our bodies, you know. Yeah. The, the mind leads and then the body follows. So, And then I've been racing for a few years, so I can read a race. I can feel what's going on. I can almost kind of predict what's going to happen before it happens at times. It's kind of interesting. How do you know when it's going to be a bunch sprint for you? What are, what are some indicators? Is if there's a lot of big teams there? If there's, It depends on if there's big teams and they have one of their top sprinters there. Um, if there's a lot, lot of horsepower in the pack, that means the pace is going to be pretty intense and fast. So typically it's hard for a break to get up the road if the pace is very, very high and fast. So there's a several factors that go into it. So, I mean, our, our goal as, as endurance riders is just keep throwing guys up the road and force you to chase it down or your teammates to chase it down. Yes. Because there's only so many times that you can respond to, to attacks, you know. Well, the funny thing, some endurance guys think like, okay, we can throw – Let's just keep attacking, 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 and they're gonna they're gonna quit. They're gonna fold, but that's not always the case. You know, you build a strong team and you build some talented guys within that team. Like we have built our team with some talented guys and some strong guys who are mentally strong and physically strong. I mean, it's hard to beat a team that's truly a team. 
Now, if you got it, because you have the same guys in the same uniforms, but they're not a team. They're not bonded. They just show up on race day together. They just may email who's racing or text, but they don't spend time with each other off the bike. Our teams spend time with each other off the bike. We talk during the week. Mm -hmm. Like this Saturday, we're doing a team ride. We're doing a team barbecue at one of our teammates' house. Oh, that's cool. And it's the little things, you know. Right. I travel and I go ride with various teammates. I pick up the phone and I call my teammates. Mm -hmm. So it's not that hard to build a team. It just takes the work. Right. And, and you need a leader. If you don't have a true leader on the team, the team, who's going to lead the team? Right. You know, every team needs a leader or maybe two leaders. So how do you get guys to buy into that unselfishness to where they are willing to to sacrifice for another? Because I think that's the most uh, difficult thing to to do is collectively you're going to be able to win more races if you work for each other. And that's evidenced in your guys wins. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how do you get people to buy into that idea that if I bring that back this breakaway so we can have a bunch sprint, <laughs> so Kale or Sharon can have a shot at winning? What when am I going to get my shot? Yeah. Well, that's the thing with cycling. It's kind of tough because everybody's training. If you're not training, you can't perform. So everyone's fit. And if you got seven, eight, nine guys on your team that are fit, you have to get those guys a chance to, to perform. Because why am I going to go out and train and work hard if I never get a chance to play, right? Mm -hmm. And so it starts with your leader. If your leader's not leading the pack or the group in the right way and treating them like they're valuable and they have meaning to this team and vision, then most likely you're not going to get the most out of them. Like I honestly believe in each one of my teammates. I mean, and I tell them pre-race, look, take the bull by the horn, race aggressive, race hard. If it comes down to a sprint finish, then we'll just line up our sprinters. I don't necessarily say me because we have several different sprinters, but whoever's in that position Hey, it's your day to it's your day to shine. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna ever sprint around my teammate unless I feel like he's not gonna close it and I have a chance of closing it. Now, if my teammate has a chance of closing the deal, I'm not gonna go around him. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit up or I'll shut it down or I'll monitor. Yeah. You know, so I've seen I you mean, personally take uh, personally take like second place. You could have came around your teammate, but he was like the lead out guy and he, he was, was able to hold it to the line. Guy. You're yeah. gonna let him have the win because he earned it. He earned it. Everybody gets a chance, and then the next, it's like the big man in basketball. He gets the rebound. He's blocking the shots. Every now and then, you got to go down into the post and feed him, right? Right. Otherwise, he's gonna stop rebounding and blocking shots and doing the critical things that are needed to win a game. So it's the same with cycling. You have to give your, your guys who are doing the grunt work and the heavy lifting who necessarily not getting the attention that the sprinter gets or the GC guy gets. So you got to let everyone shine and make them feel appreciated. Otherwise, guys start jumping ship and leaving the team and not wanting to be a part of the family because they don't feel valuable. Who are right. some of the guys on your team that um, – <coughs> that may not be in the limelight so much, but are just workhorses that are just crushing it out there. Kind of the unsung heroes. Yeah. Yes. We, we have several, like I got a guy like Rob Capella. He's huge. He has a great heart. Um, he does a ton of work. Pat boss, Ben Travis, um, Mike fellow who, who's the head of the team. He's the manager. Um, so, there's so many guys that I'm forgetting names right now. Derek Brow. Um, yeah, he put me on the spot. Kale, well, Kale's in the spotlight, so he he gets a ton of attention already. Um, 
I said Ben Travis. We added a new guy, John Abate. He's going to be very valuable to our team. Um, we try to build a team with guys who really, really get along and fit our character, and it makes it easier. You know, we don't want necessarily guys who are hothead, who are high-tempered. We want guys who are who are chill. And our motto is that we're there to have fun. We want to have fun, and fun is going to create positive results. If you're not happy doing something, it's going to show when you perform. Right. What's the, the ideal lead-out look like? Is it, you guys do that well. Um, say you are going to lead out a couple sprinters. How long is, is the first and second guys going to the last lap? They're going all out in the saddle for, for how long? Is that something you think about? Is it just as long as they can, or is um, there a game plan? It's not something we, we put a lot of emphasis on, honestly. Like, it's kind of weird that, like, we as a team, we don't practice lead-outs. Like, everyone just knows their role. But pre-race, we may talk about, okay, Pat, you're going to build it up. Derek, you're going to pick up after Pat. Greg Romero, you're going to take me to the last corner, or I'm going to be on your wheel. Um, Sean Van Gassen, you're going to take it for this amount of time. It varies. I mean, it's, it's very interesting how it works. I, it's hard for me to explain at this moment right now while while I'm talking to you guys. It happens organically. I mean, it happens organically. The last organically. lap is pretty batshit crazy. And it's, and it's a trust factor. Yeah. I mean, you have to trust your teammates and know that he's going to do his job and he has to trust you that you're going to do your job. And as a sprinter, I tell my guys, I mean, not in a cocky or, or arrogant way, but as a sprinter, you have to be confident, right? I tell my guys, look, if it comes down to a sprint, know that I'm, I'm going to be there unless I have a mechanical car I crashed out. But if not, I'm going to be there and I'm going to try to close it or I'm going to close it. That's great. So, I mean, confidence is huge. Mm -hmm. You have to go in believing. Have you crashed uh, in many bunch sprints before? Um, I see you got some scars in your arm. Yes, I have crashed. I don't necessarily say, like, I crashed at Nationals this year. The last lap, probably two turns out. I was sitting where I went. I was fourth wheel, I believe. Perfect. And I was on one of the strongest guys, Will, Rudy. And he just had a mishap, and, and I went down. There go my race, you know. I, I wasn't upset. I wasn't down. I was like, you got to accept the good with the bad. You know, I'm like, okay, I crash, right? Move forward. It's the biggest race of the year, the last hoorah of the year. I was going in. I think I was the favorite based on USA Cycling um, race predictor. They had me as the favorite. There's a USA Cycling race predictor? They, they have a race predictor. It's not always very accurate. Because sometimes they have me ranked as like, okay, you're going to finish here. I'm like, wow. I'm Vegas doesn't there. always get the betting odds right. They, they do not. So, But I was, I, on the last lap, I was where they, USA Cycling said I should have been. But, you know, it, things wasn't in my favor this day. Wow, you know cool. it's not accurate when it's putting me like in the top five. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. going I don't know here. how it really works. How they, um, so it, it takes your uh, top five results uh -huh. in the past 12-month period. 
So like a good number in a pro race, it it depends on who races, but it takes the top 10 finishers Mm -hmm. and then takes their average score from their best five races, Uh and that provides the quality of the race. And the quality of the race is what the winner gets. So he would earn a 61, would be like Uh world-class, UHC, um, Daniel Holloway, if it's like a big NCC race, would get you like a 59 or a 61 for the win. Hmm. So So I need to fly around the country and go race with these guys who are getting these good places, and then they'll boost my ranking yeah. up huh if you beat guys that are ranked well and they finished in the top 10 so this is something i've noticed sometimes like um riders will do if they're gassed is they'll purposely finish outside the top 10 ah. they'll just let up and won't chase it anymore because if they were to finish in the top 10 you would benefit from their the race score got you got you i'm still a little confused it's like um yeah typically a cat one race is going to have first place get like 65 points okay uh second 62 maybe 67 okay 68 69 and then 10th would get maybe like 74 okay. and that would be like the points you earn for that race right. cat one race is anywhere from like 60 to um, like 95 mm-hmm. um a cat two race would be like 70 the quality Mm-hmm. It's just a ranking system. Right, right, right. That's interesting. That's interesting. They've yeah. even set that up for their riders, but that's cool. So we heard some interesting news, uh, some buzz regarding Nate Cook, our the resident Nate, Captain America. Our resident Captain America. Nate yeah. and I went to high school together and <laughs> buddies for a long time. That's cool. And it was fun. We both kind of found cycling uh, later on in life. Do you um, have any funny Nate high schools? Oh, man. So Nate and I, were uh, we were goofy, and not that anything's changed, but we were class clown and most unforgettable during high school school so his mom owned a costume shop and i was just a weird little bugger so whenever it would rain i'd wear a wetsuit and flippers uh-huh. with like a scuba tank that my dad had just to be a goof like uh-huh. i had ap classes like a smart kid and be sitting in my wetsuit and scuba tank yeah i remember sitting in front of this like this cute cheerleader and just sweating my butt off nice my wetsuit and so nate would wear costumes from his mom's shop and we'd battle that's cool it's like whenever it would rain it was like it's on yeah 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 so yeah. nate cool. announced uh this uh, past week that it's kind of unfortunate but he was shooting to be on the three-man sprint for the rio olympics in 2016 and there's a lot of politics with usa cycling underfunding stuff it's difficult to get to some of the qualifying races and the united states is not going to be um fielding a team for the three-man sprint that's too bad yeah so nate is kind of um Kind of reconsidering his um, his pursuits, whether he wants to get in some of the fixie Red Hook stuff, or to get mm-hmm. into USA Cycling and chase the Cat One dreams yeah, there. Yeah, but uh, it'd be rad to see you out there, Nate. Love to see what that sprint can do at a, a Cat One Criterium once you cat up. What kind of politics do you think are going on there? Do you, do you is it a um, lot of lot of finance stuff to where it, it obviously costs a good amount of money in plane tickets to, and entry fees to be able to get athletes to races. And I think the United States likes to know that we're going to have a really good shot at winning a medal. Oh. And there's qualifying races overseas that you need to get to in order to be ranked well. Okay. And the way Nate made it sound is um, you need points to qualify for the big races. And there were um, it wasn't a, a done deal mm-hmm. that you were going to make this. I mean, I found it incredible. He's He's been training for like five years. He's been training for a long for an time. Event. That's 17 yeah. seconds long. I just find that so crazy. To me. I, I always liked Ironman racing because a lot could go wrong and you could still have a really good race. Or even in a criterion, like a lot can happen and you can still have a decent race. Like 17 seconds. Is like... Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to see what Team Nader is going to be up to in coming uh, months and years. Mm-hmm. 
I want to see him on the road. Yeah, that's my that'd be cool. Yeah, get on the road, buddy. You got to lose some weight. I was going to say, he's a big dude. Ooh. You know about that. How much weight does he have to lose? I'd say he's like oh, 185, man. six foot, maybe. Mm. That's how tall Nate is, what you say? Yeah. Yeah. He may be 190. He got a lot of muscle, man. I see him slapping those plates on on his videos. Yep, I do, too. Just so he's tearing squats up. He's like, yeah. He's coming from where I came from uh-huh, in uh-huh. that gym and... He could do it, though. All champions have this mindset to overcome and push through. So nice. I think he can make it if he want to do it. He has the talent. This so. is his second kind of setback. He was trying to be a track and field decathlete. So this was a 10-event Olympic and had some injuries with running. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'd be cool to see Nada and chase down some road dreams. No, that's cool. That's cool. That's uh, that's what it's about. You know, sometimes... Adapt, overcome. Yeah, you know, not everything falls into place like we like it. You know, something bigger might come out of this for him, you know? Yeah. What are some of the biggest setbacks you've had, Tron? It's kind of difficult, actually, to talk about, like, struggles. I mean, I try to eliminate my struggles immediately. I don't really have one that, stand, that stands out, really. It's, it's not kind that of life's weird. not hard. It's just that you you nip it in the bud before it gets bigger in your head. Yes, yeah, you know. Sometimes I hear people say, "If you haven't been the bigger your mountain, the bigger your blessing gonna be." Like meaning your your struggle, that mountain you had to get over. And so sometimes I'm like, "Man, well, I haven't had a really big mountain that I had to really climb over." So does that mean I'm not gonna get a really big blessing? So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't have one that stands out, you know. My life has been wonderful. God has been good to me. So, I mean, all I can do is smile and be happy and pray that it continues to be this way because, you know, we all have tragedies in life. Oh, you're putting good out, man. You're going to get good back. That's just one of the unwritten rules of the universe. Like you, reap, you reap what you sow. Um, so we wanted to wish Nate Nate the best. I don't think we touched on, on that completely. Um Sorry you had this uh, this setback, but we want to see you crush it on the bike in the future. Yeah, we reached out to him, so hopefully we'll be able to chat with him about it. Yeah, it'd be cool you know? to have you on again, Nate. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So we got Long Beach School gets awarded free bikes. Um, Outspoken Cycles of Huntington Beach posted a video early this week giving 200 bikes away to kids at Roosevelt Elementary in Long Beach. Um, it's beautiful to see the change that can happen via bike. You can get to a job that was otherwise too far away, get right. to a junior college or university that would have been out of the question, mm-hmm. and it's so much cheaper than uh, than a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really inspiring to see. And who knows, maybe some of those kids will turn out to end up beating up on, on Sharon and I in a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Mostly just me. Yeah. got a chance with his 1,800 yeah. watts. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your maximum sprint, would you say? Is that too secret? Can we blow your cover? I don't have no secrets, honestly. People ain't going to so, touch it. I mean, it, not, it doesn't... He's just going to say he doesn't know. I don't know. I don't pay no, attention to that. No, um, the max size printed is, is 42. What? 42 miles per hour. Yeah. 42 miles an hour. That's the max that I have seen. Into a headwind. It was a crosswind, that, you know. That doesn't seem high enough, because when I crashed at Manhattan Beach... I was at 42, but maybe that's downhill It, it or varies from race to race, because I don't even race. When I race, I don't race with speed. I basically race with my cadence, my power, and the time of that actual event. Mm-hmm. I never really know how fast I'm going. I don't want to know how fast I'm going, you know, because then I start playing little mm-hmm. mind games. Yeah, I don't I want, see that. I just want to – I race off feel a lot and experience, so mm-hmm. that works for me. 
When you're looking at power during a race, um, you're probably trying to stay away from being in the 500s, or what are some numbers you're trying to avoid? Oh, 500 is extremely high. Yeah, yeah I'm, that's like danger zone. You, you're not going to last too long at 500 watts. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you weigh um, 172. So. Yeah, Wattage but I'm, I'm not pushing, like, as a sprinter, I'm trying to save to the end, yeah, right? My biggest nothing. bang. So I'm pushing the watts that are required, but I'm not trying to push really watts that much at all during Mm -hmm. the race because if i'm pushing watts that means you're burning energy yeah and so i'm trying to save energy it's all about saving energy sometimes you can be the strongest fastest guy but you want the the, um freshest at the end yeah so it's about who could be the freshest at the end i say most of the time the fittest guy doesn't win oh yeah that's wild about cycling Yeah. yeah And cycling, you never know who's going to win. People are like, man, why do you keep racing? You keep winning. I don't know that I'm going to win. Each race is different, you mm-hmm. know. So I don't know if, if our team's going to perform, um, not going to perform. It, it varies. So mm-hmm. that's the cool dynamic of it, to that, see if you can come back and do it again. Th- that's something Ronnie's explained before. Just it's anybody's it's anybody's mm-hmm. win. Any given yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very addicting, too. Because yeah. you, you're constantly trying to push the envelope mm-hmm. and trying to find more fitness. Find more fit. And what's funny, you will never you will never reach what you're trying to accomplish. That thirst will never get quenched? Yeah, it's okay. unaccomplished. It's like a drug, but okay. a healthy drug. You uh-huh. know, you, you want more. You want more. Right. And sometimes people see these grown men on these bikes, and some women are some people who are not into cycling. Man, what's, what's so, what's, what is it about it? Mm-hmm. Why do you guys keep, why do you love it so much? It's kind of like unexplainable. Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, something, yeah. It's, you're never going to attain what you're reaching for. Right. Right. There's a couple components to it. I mean, you're trying to exhaust your own human potential. Yeah. Uh, it's got the fun aspect to where you're flying low, mm-hmm. and you're always trying to just better yourself. You know? Right. Yes. I I like to kind of shut people down when they say like you're a one trick pony because I mean I've seen you bridge into breakaways before. I remember watching it um one of the CBRs with Chris Lotz and he was hooting and hollering on the mic because you like bridge solo into the break up the road. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, you know. I, I could do some things that people say I can't do. Okay. You know, at first, when I first won, I was told, oh, you only can win this type of race. I was like, okay. I like challenges like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I love yeah, when yeah. someone tell me I only could do this or do that. Because sometimes we need a fire lit. Yeah. And yeah. so then I went and won this type of race. Oh, you only could do this. Okay. I'm going to go prove you wrong again. I'm going right. to go do something else. You can't win a road race. So I went and won a a road race. Which uh, road races have you won? I won San Dimas. That was my wow. biggest one. Yeah. That was that's the stage race. So that's cool. I wasn't favored. Nobody Surviving. predicted me to win. I made it over the climb with them, and yeah, you got to lose Sharon on the climb. There's a climb you need to get rid of him, because otherwise, if it's flat, yeah. like if it's a bunch sprint, he's gonna be very very difficult to okay to beat. It's just just um, the maximum wattage like. My maximum wattage is like thirteen hundred. Okay, I can get it close to a thousand like twenty times. Mm-hmm. But Sean's maximum wattage is like eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And so how it just and even if I'm way more aerodynamic, there's just no way you're gonna touch him. You know? mm-hmm. Like Cavendish, he may not put out the biggest watts, but he's got these little T-Rex arms. People yeah. joke, and so he's super low on the bike. Yeah. Okay, okay. So he's more aerodynamic. I I have this interesting question. I noticed that you guys were talking about strong points whether you're an endurance rider whether you're a sprinter how do you know what's what's good for you if somebody's trying to 
figure out what their strong point is. They love cycling. They want to get better at it, and they want to know what they could, what they should focus on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. What What would be the? How would you be able to help somebody know which way to go, pretty much, or how does somebody find out what they're really better at so they could excel at it? You know. Well, I try to make sure that my my sprint is always fine tuned because that's my bread and butter, right? So I have to make sure that that's on point. And then I work on the things that I'm very weak at. Like, I'm weak at climbing. Mm. I know that. Everyone knows that. So I make sure I climb consistently. Because if I never do it, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to get stronger. But through climbing, it's made my strength, my sprint, excuse me, more powerful. Oh, wow. And it it gives me more confidence because climbing is about suffering. Yeah. Can you suffer? And so if you suffer in training, when you're suffering in racing, you you relate you revert back to the day when you were suffering in training. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I could push through this race. It's hard, but I could push through because I just pushed through in training. Mm-hmm. And so you build in mental strength, you build in physical strength, mm-hmm. and you're almighty then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do a lot of climbing in the big ring. Tell us about what's the purpose behind that. Do you do any uh, spinning the easy ring going up hills at all? Um, Is that seated or standing? Probably a little bit of both. It's both, but primarily when I'm on my own or I'm with my small training group, it's, it's bickering stuff. Really? Just for power. Like, if the hill's super steep, I'm going to use my train ring, my small chain ring. I'm not going to front and be like, Arr, I'm going yeah. to muscle everything. You can't muscle everything out. Right. Some things you need to finesse, you know? Right. Otherwise, you could potentially injure yourself trying to muscle everything. Wow. That's crazy. Or like a 10% grade, maybe shift down a little bit. Yes, Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. So are you ever going out and doing um, like a workout or are you just riding? I I honestly do not do specific (laughs) workouts. I tell people, like I never work on my sprint. I never practice sprinting. I sprint when I race and in a training ride if the pace is high, but. You race enough to where racing is the best training. Racing is the best train. That was how I was taught. If you can race, you need to race because you can't duplicate a race. You can't simulate a race. Okay. What are some uh, group rides you do probably on the weekends? Are you ever in the morning doing NPR? Or? Um, no, typically I'm at work during that time at NPR for NPR, so I don't make that. But I do um, Dogtown, which is going on right now, which is in Santa Monica. Um, the Donut Ride is one of my favorite rides in Palos Verdes. Oh, no, that's a different one. Give us the yeah. times. Where where, and when is Dogtown? Dogtown is in Santa Monica. It, it rolls out of Dogtown Coffee. If you Google Dogtown Coffee in Santa Monica, you'll be able to get the location. We roll out at 8 a.m. on Saturdays. Um, the Donut Ride is in Palos Verdes. It rolls out at the Coffee Bean in Palos Verdes. If I'm not mistaken, I can't. I don't quote me on that. Um, that rolls about 8.05, 8.10. And also I do Como Street, which is a Sunday ride. And that leaves out of the Tustin Marketplace, out of Starbucks at 8.05. Probably drive to that one? Yes, in the morning. Wow. Do wow. you ride to the other ones? or uh, drive, um, Typically drive I drive to them. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not, I don't like doing junk miles. You know, I can ride to them, but I'm hitting a lot of lights. So. Yeah. Right, right. What's the pace on these rides? Are they Are they strong? Can I show up? That's that's really what I meant to ask. <laughs> what, are you, what are you working with? Um, what are we working with here? You can show up. Yeah, you can, can come to any of them. Okay. Will I get dropped? 
Um, yeah, probably so. Okay, yeah. that's so right. don't wear a world championship jersey. I will not. I <laughs> yeah. wear Hilly though, right? I yeah, mean, they're rolling uh, hills. Yeah. Okay. So okay. yeah. Have you done Montrose before, Sean? I've done Montrose. So how do they compare with? Because I live uh, in Pasadena, so what's it um, like? Montrose is more of a speed training ride to me because there's not a lot of climbing. Although you finish on that climbing section, yeah, a couple of punchy, a couple of punchy ones. Then you got the false flat section. Toward the end, I think after you pass the fire station, I can't remember the streets, but yeah, Montrose is a challenging ride. I'm not going to say that it, it doesn't challenge you, but I think the Dogtown ride is challenge is one of the harder rides, just like Simi Valley group ride. That's very tough. Uh, Do you usually okay. finish in the top group at a at Dogtown? Dogtown. Oh no, no, they drop me, you know. And they leave me. And are these regroup rides? I've heard well, something they, about. Well, they regroup. Honestly, they regroup at the top of every climb. Otherwise, it'd just be splinter yeah. groups of two but and three. But you know what? As a cyclist, as a sprinter, I kind of embrace going to the ride and getting dropped. Really? Yeah. Because if you're going to the ride and it's not making you work or you're not suffering very hard. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're not pushing that's, yourself. That's very true. So I kind of embrace it because I know it's making me better. That's what I tell people when I coach them. I say, go out and take so many pulls at the Rose Bowl or one of these crit practice rides and then try and win the final sprint and get mm -hmm. beat by a Cat 4 or a Cat 5 because you have nothing left. Mm -hmm. yeah. Put your pride aside and get beat, and that's how you're yeah. going to get stronger. Yeah. Lose in training because you put in too many pulls, especially for a guy like Sean. If Sean goes okay. and takes pulls on the front at 30 miles per hour okay. one of his practice crits and then tries to win the sprint, gets second or third or even wins, he knows in a race if he sits in, keeps his wattage around two to 300, 400, mm -hmm. and saves for that one big bull at the end, he's going to smash it. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So you, you train hard, win easy. And I thought it's yes. ever easy, but mm -hmm. easier. Yeah. That's cool. Man. Wrapping up, man. Wrapping up. You, uh, Sharon, you are something else. I'm so glad you're here. Hanging out with you guys. Hanging out with Ronnie in the first place has always made me want to ride faster, but it's meeting other people just makes me want to ride even faster. You know what I mean? Yes. Because it's just that level of inspiration that's that's needed, you know, and I'm I've learned so much, Ronnie's learned so much, and your your inspiration is just it's a good thing. It's a good thing that's shining on everybody, especially for that video. I think it was perfect timing. I'm glad I saw that video, yeah. really, you know. And your book, please give us a shout out. The title of your book and the link to where it's at again well the title of the book is you are a champion mm -hmm. is it's that, an audio book it's an audio book it can be found at cdbaby.com slash cd slash sharon smith that's all one word and i'll give you guys the link you guys can put it up on your page or whatnot yeah we'll definitely make sure we have it up on our page perfect xyz under the uh the cyclecast. You are an inspiring man on the bike, and I think more importantly off. So thanks for what you bring to the table, Sean. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it, and I wish you guys much success. Thank cool. you. Drive on. Quad heading.